Cupcake. So we decided to name this tree-sit thing Cupcake. They got, you know, pepper sprayed and put into pressure positions. So what we're fighting to protect is some of the loss that remains. That was the moment when all of us realized this is real. Yeah. Like, we're doing this thing. Oh, someone is definitely trying to kill me, and, like, me specifically. Adventures upon adventures. You can't have too many. <laughs> I really hope this works. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Radical People, the podcast about direct action and direct action campaigns. I'm your host, Eamon Farrelly, and you haven't heard from me in quite some time. I, uh, I kind of bailed for a minute. I've been... I'm not... How do I say... I have been very, very, very busy, ankle deep, what, what's it, waist deep, neck deep, neck deep, head deep, for, I'm, I am totally submerged in another project, uh, something that's very important, something that's just taking all of my energy and that I'm working on essentially full time, if not more than full time. That's why you haven't heard from me. Did you even notice? Probably not. That's okay. But what am I doing here today? I am coming back with a special episode I made uh, I made an effort. I, I cracked a window in, in my in some time so I could talk to this uh, very uh, special individual, a friend of mine named Paneote. Paneote was just involved in a protest at uh, Florida State Prison and was uh, violently arrested. And fortunately, uh, was, was bonded out uh, shortly later. And I wanted to catch up with Paneote and talk to him about what was going down there at the prison uh, you know, why they were doing what they were doing. And fortunately, he was able to give me some of his good time. So I got on a quick call with him. And uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor the thing, we're gonna get into it. Uh, this podcast is a member of the Channel Zero Anarchist Podcast Network. There is a lot of wonderful content on the Channel Zero Network. I am going to play some jingles, which are like little commercials for other Channel Zero Network shows right now. After you hear those, we're going to crack into it with my comrade and longtime friend, Paniote. Hello, and welcome to We Will Remember Freedom, a monthly podcast of anarchist fiction. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. Hello, and welcome to the jingle for both of my podcasts. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. You can find my podcast wherever you get your podcasts or get them from the Channel Zero Network. KiteLine is a weekly 30-minute radio program focusing on issues in the prison system. You'll hear news along with stories from prisoners and former prisoners as well as their loved ones. You'll learn what prison is, how it functions, and how it impacts all of us. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand-to-hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. You can hear us on the Channel Zero Network and find out more at kitelineradio.noblogs.org. So, are you back home? Uh, in Gainesville at the moment. But you're out of the pokey. I'm out of jail, yes. Yeah, um... So, it, starting it off, let's just go. Let's just go sort of deep background. Uh, I, from my my understanding from a distance, is that this action that went down the other day, uh, this was sort of uh, 
in honor of the memory of Karen Smith, correct? Right. Yep. And would you mind kind of telling us uh, who Karen Smith was as a person and who they were to you? Yeah, Karen Smith was uh, an organizer here in in the Gainesville area, but uh, I knew Karen from um, from many years ago in South Florida, uh, living in a community together and, and also organizing. But um, at that time, also we're you know close friends, and um, got to watch her be a mother to her first kid who was growing up with a parent in prison. And so for me, Karen Smith was like a a real entry to understanding what life is like having, you know, some, a loved, a loved one locked behind bars and in a cage. And, uh, here in Florida, you know, having to drive like eight hours across the state to visit these extremely remote rural prisons in the panhandle of Florida, where, you know, some of the most like, uh, extreme cases of abuse and, um, you know, solitary confinement, torture, um, you know, like blatant disregard for human rights and basic dignity. Uh, the, the, the panhandle is pretty notorious for that. So meeting Karen when I was pretty young, I think I was 19 at the time. And, um, and she was making these trips up to visit her partner and bring her kid up uh, to see him in, in the panhandle. At the time, he was at Century CI. So for me, you know, that was, a, um, I learned a lot from Karen. She published uh, letters of, of her partner at the time and other prisoners that he was with, exposing the conditions and circulating a small photocopied zine and then coordinating letter writing. She helped start prison books projects, um, both in you know, South Florida and in the Gainesville area, um, and really increased the direct correspondence people had with prisoners and and we really we met back up five years ago to do a big project to support the prisoner strike in 2016 uh the attic anniversary so i guess that's a little bit of background about who karen is and who she is to me and so this this particular prison where you guys were at on, um, I mean, I guess, uh, so I real quick, I mean, so Karen, Karen just recently passed away. So this, this, uh, this action that you guys took, it was in honor of, of Karen. And where, where was it? What was the, which prison was it at? Uh, Florida state prison, which is um, in North Central Florida, and the town is called Rayford, but really it's just a prison town. There's three prisons there, um, and then the close-by um, kind of shopping area is called Stark, you know, which has some people live there. But really, the, the whole region is a prison town, you know, if not a prison county, and they're all over Florida like that, like a, these rural counties where the prison is the you know, they're really the primary or maybe the only um, industry going. And so FSP is also famous because it uh, houses a lot of the solitary confinement um, cases in Florida, which it, solitary confinement is huge in Florida. They call it close management. But at any given time, there's an estimated like 10% of people sitting on some level of solitary confinement, often for punishment, disciplinary for disciplinary reasons. 
Um, it could be, you know, standing up for yourself or experiencing a mental health crisis. Um, you know, all, all those possibilities. So they could land you somewhere like FSP. You know, FSP is considered to be one of the worst. It's an old prison. It's, um, it's next door to the death row. Um, so it's got this already kind of has this legacy of, um, of discarding and outright executing people. You know, it was the site of a prison where uh, a famous incident that hit the headlines um, where prisoners were beaten and stomped to death by, um, by guards who then, you know, got, got exposed. Um, and this was probably a decade or two back, but every so often these cases pop up in the headlines, you know, uh, KKK members found in the prison plotting to kill prisoners upon release, you know, like this is the area that we're talking about. Um, and so FSP is kind of a symbol of, you know, uh, torture and solitary confinement and, re and repression. I guess in our case, like for, for the organizing I, um, that I've worked with Karen on, um, the person like that we were highlighting last week, his name is Keith Stones, and he wasn't at FSP until uh, he had support in organizing on the inside about the conditions in another facility where he was at Martin CI. And so he was sent to FSP as punishment. He was put on uh, close management and cut off from a lot of support and family. Karen um, and ended up being his only uh, phone contact. He's only allowed uh, a handful of contacts on the outside. It was the primary contacts. Um, and the reason he was told he was being sent there, you know, it wasn't even a good excuse. Um, sometimes they make up excuses of violence or affiliations with, with gangs. Um, but in this case, they just said in his paperwork that he affiliated with the Black Panther Party. And for that reason, he was a threat to the, the prison, to the establishment. And he had caused problems in the past um, by filing lawsuits and things like that. So really, this was about punishing someone for their beliefs and their ideology and their commitment to being part of a social movement, even from, you know, behind bars. And so we chose to highlight FSP because it was one of the most, uh, the last campaigns that Karen was working on before she passed in, in the car accident. Um, and we knew it was very important to her that, um, you know, pressure be brought on FSP for the conditions there and for the release, um, from close management of Keystone specifically. And then, so when you guys got there, you, uh, what was the, what was like the scene like? What was the, what was sort of the action taken that day? So it was a really lively and, and uh, strong show of, of opposition and, um, and rage. And there was about 50 people in a car caravan that, that drove uh, around the prison area, honking and making noise and, um, and then landed back out on um, in the front gate where a banner had, be, had been hung at the front of the prison. This is kind of like iconic um, gates to the, this prison that look, um, you know, resemble very closely the, the gates of a of Nazi concentration camp with that the same style of font and like metal, uh, you know, kind of bar uh, design. And so a banner was strung across that with a quote from Karen Smith that said, um, from a, you know, a speech she gave through a bullhorn at a, a prison work camp 
a year ago on the day she died um, that she ended the speech with after going through a litany of reasons why we were protesting against the conditions, the slavery, the lack of access to the law library, the, um, you know, the failure of the prisons to provide anything remotely resembling rehabilitation. And she, she goes through this list of, um, you know, all these attempts at improving the prison system and all these failures. And then she says, the next step, we burn it down. And so that was what the banner said. Next step, we burn it down. Uh, and homage to Karen Smith. So that was um, put up across the front gate. And there was some paint splatter across the, um, the driveway, entranceway, and uh, a Circle A spray painted on the wall. Uh, also in honor, Karen was a, a very fierce and passionate revolutionary anarchist, and that was very important to her. Uh, people understood that we weren't just challenging the prison system, that we were pushing hard um, for liberation on all fronts and for a new society that wouldn't accept people locked in cages. So I think that meant a lot to have that. Um, the people were lighting off fireworks. It was uh, drums and a sound system and pots and pans and you know, it's an intergenerational mix of people. Karen's, uh, Karen's 10 year old child was there with other friends and family, uh, people that have loved ones locked up in the Florida prison system. So there was a lot of power there, um, and anger and rage. And, um, you know, was, I'm really proud of, of the energy we brought there on that, you know, on that occasion and honoring Karen, the police showed up, you know, they, um, they met our passion with hostility and started telling people they couldn't be there, you know, not that they couldn't be in a certain place, but they couldn't protest there at all, uh, which obviously angered some people. So even when we were pushed back to the median, like the right of way, the police, uh, it wasn't enough for them. They continued threatening people until they arrested someone who was, um, you know, live streaming from their phone and they were uh, next to the person with a bullhorn with a, with a sound system. So it kind of felt like this example of arresting this person. And then they came after a couple other people. Three of us in total were arrested. Um, and I was uh, thrown to the ground and, and um, ended up going to the hospital to get stitches for a puncture wound. What did you get punctured by? Honestly, it's still kind of a mystery. Um, something in the ground that I didn't see, but I felt a sharp um, stab, and I was dragged into a police car. And it wasn't until I got in the car that I noticed I was bleeding all over myself. And uh, when I got to the jail, they took my shirt off and looked at my arm, and all of a sudden the cops got real nice. Like they realized, oh shit, you know. Uh, they were going to have to send me to the hospital now to get stitches. So uh, instead of going to jail right away, I was sent to a hospital where I was my wound flushed out and documented. And you know, so I was kind of menacing, like sitting in the hospital with a cop there, wondering how much honesty you're going to get from the doctor. You know, at a, a jail, a, a hospital five minutes from the jail in a county that, you know, 
prisons are the primary employer and economic engine. But uh, they stitched me up and brought me to the jail and um, they threw me in a supposed medical cell, um, which was basically just an isolation cell with, uh, where they don't turn the lights off and um, no one ever came in to check on the wounds. No one brought pain, pain meds until late in the morning after like an excruciating long night. And I got uh, some ibuprofen. But um, you know, the thing I would highlight, you know, that especially given the current pandemic context, like in this jail, um, in a state where COVID numbers have been massive throughout the prisons and jails, half the staff were you know not wearing masks or wearing them around their ear under their chin. Um, you know, so I think health and safety protocols not not that it's shocking but still should be disturbing that um you know they were kind of joking like oh we don't have anyone with COVID here right now but the next county over has got like a hundred some cases uh so you know that's that's of course um maddening to know that that's being dealt with with such neglect and and disrespect and then what were – so there were three people arrested including yourself and my understanding is there were some misdemeanors handed out and some felonies. Uh, do you want to kind of elaborate on any of that or what you all are being charged with? Yeah. Uh, so there was two misdemeanors and a felony. Uh, and we found that out at first appearance because we reported in documentation. Uh, on our charges until we got the, the court and also I found out later that no one had uh, been able to make a phone call out successfully or speak to an attorney so we kind of went in blindly um, to our first appearance and pretty quickly found out that our charges um, even though they were like basically blanket you know like they were just written like a template um, all three of us were being charged with criminal mischief related to the um, alleged vandalism. Even though there was no evidence presented, even the judge, you know, the, the public defender that was present noted that, that there was no evidence connected to the individuals. So that felony charge really had no, no, no merit and no standing. And then the two misdemeanor charges, which were trespassing and resisting arrest, um, also seemed like bullshit we were on in the right of way we were uh on public property but you know in a lot of counties uh these charges would be five hundred dollars maybe a thousand dollar bond amount uh we ended up individually each having a total of thirty five thousand dollar bond um ten thousand for two charges and fifteen for another for the other so thirty five thousand dollar bond in order to be released um which was obvious and massive retaliation. And um, upon getting out of jail and being able to hear stories from other from people, we were also issued a no contact order um, to like stay away from the prison and, and from each other. So, um, but the stories that I've gathered at this point is uh, that people heard over the police radio in the, the police cruisers that, that there was 
direct communication from Governor DeSantis's office to make an example of people that were arrested. Uh, you know, this protest has happened to also be like in statewide context with an anti-protest bill that's going to come up in the legislative session this year. So we're wondering if that's maybe some some attempt at um, you know trying to bolster that. We're making the case that there's these you know menacing people out there that need to be uh, have their basic constitutional free speech rights limited. So this, I think the criminalizing of dissent was something that we've seen for a long time. People, you know, anarchists and direct action organizers, um, and sometimes it flares up, you know, and I think in Florida that seems to be the case, um, especially surrounding anti-police brutality resistance that was massive uh, throughout the summer here in cities all over the state. So I think that what we're seeing is some of that uh, retaliation as well. It's uh, it was kind of funny. I read when I read the uh, one of the local news reports uh, about the action. It called it a prison riot, um, which which I th- I was like, did they did you guys like encourage from the outside? Were you so loud and raucous that a prison riot started on the inside? We've heard yet. You know, we can only hope that um, people on the inside heard us and and felt the support, but. I'll be honest, man, there's prisoner riots in this state all the time. Most of them don't go reported. Um, back to how me and Karen Smith started working together uh, five years ago around prison strike solidarity. You know, there's a very strong movement on the inside, and the state is terrified of it. And I think they're using this kind of example of protest on the outside to try and uh, also frighten other people or create a climate of fear. But the prison system in the state is, um, you know, it's a powder keg. And so was there a riot on the inside? On any given day, there could be, you know, is it related to, to our presence? It may or may not be, uh, but that, that I haven't seen anything indicating that. So I think that in the case of your the story you saw, it was really just a hyperbolic kind of uh, hysteric, you know, trying to drive public hysteria and um but that the article you're referring to i'm pretty certain was just basically cut and paste from the sheriff's press release so you know we haven't really seen any real any journalism or or like uh reporting with integrity on the action but i think that that might be coming i was gonna say that's some real crack journalism right there (laughs) yeah and there, there is, you know, reporters have been calling and asking. It's a kind of classic issue with being at um, prison demos is that they're in the middle of nowhere and it's very difficult to get, you know, any of the mainstream and corporate um, news outlets to show up and pay attention. So the story ends up being written by the, the DOC or the county jail. So we're countering that as best we can with, you know, our independent outlets and social media and we're also in touch with some journalists from bigger outlets like the Miami Herald who's done a lot of exposés on the Florida prison system and is also doing a piece about this uh, effort to criminalize dissent um, from the governor's office so it seems like maybe there'll be some some more like deeper investigative reporting that may, may surface in coming days but so far we're stuck with the 
largely with, you know, the small town, rural, uh, crappy reporting. Um, so what's, what's next for you guys, aside from just trying to get the story out and, and trying to, you know, blow it up and make people aware of it. What's next for y'all personally, the people who are facing charges, do you have good, uh, do you have good legal representation? Are you worried? Do you kind of feel like you're going to be able to, I mean, it, it sounds like a bunch of bullshit. It sounds like they just, you know, copied and pasted some, some boilerplate on you just to, to scare you. But, you know, sometimes that shit sticks. So yeah, well, in counties like this that are, are um, so heavily influenced by the prison industry, you know, we do need to take these bullshit charges seriously. So we'll be preparing, preparing um, a defense together, you know, with the, uh, movement lawyers and, and uh, support across the country. It's been really awesome to see the outpouring of support from folks. Um, we were able to raise enough to get out um, very quickly, which I think is a good sign that people have heard about the action and are, um, you know, offering support. So hopefully ongoing legal support for this case, whatever comes of it. Uh <clears throat> I'm not sure. I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't really know what else to say about it now. It's still kind of fresh, but like we haven't seen discovery or any of the like any details about the case that um, I could have any more to go on. But you know, I think that stuff usually will, you'll hear you'll hear about it as it comes, and it'd be if there's court dates, maybe trying to rally people to to join us. It was I can say that it was really sweet to have uh, a lot of friends show up at first appearance virtually. You know, it's kind of one of the weird silver linings of the pandemic, I guess, is that all of a sudden, like, you can show up in court for people, you know, states away. So my friends from all over the country uh, called in on the, like, Zoom channel for the, the small town courthouse. And uh, it was really sweet to see familiar faces and family smiling at us in the courtroom, even though they couldn't be there with us in person. Yeah, that's interesting. I I actually called into that. It was initially booked for 9 a.m. And I called into it at that time. And then they told us all it was going to be delayed. And then I had to I had to get to my it was like not going to happen. And they said for like an hour and I waited for a bit and then I had to jump. So I I wasn't sure how that would even work for you guys. You were able to see people who had like their cameras on. You were able to see. Yeah, it was cool, man. It was really it was really sweet. Um, And even though like you know, we chose to just kind of play it like uh, pretty chill on our end in hopes of getting a bond set and uh, not having it be absurd. You know, that ultimately didn't end up being the case. It was an absurd amount for a bond. Um, but it was really heartening that as soon as our, basically our, our cases were heard, uh, people on the Zoom channel started shouting stuff out and, and uh, offering support and, you know, <clears throat> some very loving messages of solidarity. Uh, I, mean, I heard a burn it down in there <laughs> before the judge got to turn the camera off. <laughs> so it was good. It's, it, didn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't reflect on any of us individually, but I think the court and the jail got the message that we're not fucking around that we have a lot of support across the country and that we're just getting started. That's awesome. Well, I'm so happy you're out. Sorry about your arm. That really sucks. Uh, hopefully the arm heals up quickly. Um, I guess, yeah, uh, I'll, we'll get this out as soon as we can. And if there's, you know, we'll, we'll try to stay on it as the you know story develops, as things, you know, progress. 
hopefully you Thank have you. yeah hopefully you have some good uh lawyers who can dig into you know if the governor is basically saying make an example of these people over the radio hopefully there is some way they could uh you know pull that and you know it, pull, you know pull that audio and kind of show the, the the bias against you and hopefully that will help uh, yeah. help you beat your case but yeah, that's our hope. And I, I gotta jump off too because I'm, I'm in front of the hospital going to get um, an X-ray record so I can just keep up with this, uh, and make sure I take care of the injury, um, and and have a good documentation of uh, you know of doing that. So, well, great. Uh, hopefully, I can get someone else to pay the fucking medical bills. <laughs> yeah, get them to pay <laughs> them. Um, uh, so we'll see. Yeah, thanks a lot for the call. Uh, send me a link over to, when you post it up. The other thing I want to kind of shout out to is um, a thanks to our friends like Kite Line Radio and if the folks are interested in, in more about FSP and what's happening at the Florida State Prison and our friend Keith Stones who's on uh, close management there I really encourage them to uh, check out the last Kite Line Radio show that uh, November 27th you can hear Karen Smith's voice and she gives a timeline rundown from from Keith about uh, the abuse he's been witnessing so I really encourage people to, to check that out as well Absolutely. Kite Line Radio, another uh, another podcast on the Channel Zero Network, just like mine. So um, awesome. I'll talk to you later. Say hi to the family. Yeah, I will. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Radical People. I know it's been a long time since I put up an episode, and I feel kind of bad about that. If you're one of my patrons, again, hey, you're only getting charged per, per episode, so it's not like you're getting charged for all those months where I don't do anything. Uh, but if you stuck around and remained a patron, thank you. That will r- really benefit uh, just covering my hosting charges and stuff like that. If you want to uh, write to me, RadicalPeoplePodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter, at Radical underscore podcast. I don't really, I've been really avoiding Twitter, and I've been feeling so much better about life. So I'm not there a lot, but for some reason you feel like getting in touch with me, you can there. Also, if you did want to check me a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, something, Patreon forward slash Radical People. And that's about it. Um, I just hope everyone's doing well. I know it's been a it's been a hell of a year. It's been a year. People have had a year, <laughs> and uh, we're coming into the, the uh, so-called holiday season now. You know, headed towards the winter solstice. So I hope everyone gets some good time to just kick back, relax, and just be peaceful. Just find some peace, man. That's really where I've been. You know, when I'm not, uh, as I said, sink, trying to stay afloat and this other project I'm involved in uh, I've been just trying to find my a little bit of my inner peace so uh, thank you again for listening check out the Channel Zero Network and uh, I will just get you next time winter is here the sky is so clear can you believe the stars and the moon so sharp so fancy well hey if you miss me just know that I'll be home soon. There really is a movement, it's not just in your head. You can find it in the cracks in the sidewalk. There's so many reasons to get out of bed. We're gonna build it right here between all the talk. Don't let the system keep you way down there. You gotta know it in your heart that you are way up here too. Don't let science keep you way down there.
Just a 